In Psalm 73, let's stand together. The book of Psalm, chapter number 73. I, uh, I'm doing my Bible reading in the book of Psalm. That's where I'm at right now. And I have this little ribbon in my Bible. It's been right here in Psalm 73 now for three weeks. And I have read through this one Psalm over and over and over. Really couldn't understand everything that was in it. And the Lord just began to deal with me this week. And I'm thankful when the Holy Spirit just opens the passage of Scripture up. And uh, I truly believe with this message, the Lord wants to help someone today. I believe that. I believe the Lord wants to help someone today. I'm going to ask you to keep your Bible open because I'm going to actually preach all 28 verses. But we're only going to read the first two. All right, so keep your Bible open this morning. Psalm 73, a psalm of Asaph. It says, truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. If you can say God is good this morning, say amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. But look at verse 2. He says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. I want to preach this morning on this thought. Remember the Lord's promise. Remember the Lord's promise. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done already in this service, for every song that's been sung, for every folk that's here, for our missionary friends that are with us today. And God, for those that are downstairs and upstairs and those that are watching online, we pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, you'd fill me with your spirit. Speak to us. Help us today through your word. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for all that you do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen may be seated. I'm interested in this Psalm of Asaph. If I begin to study here in the book of Psalms, begin to look down through several verses, I find in 2 Chronicles 29, 30, the Bible says, Moreover, Hezekiah, the king of the princes, commanded the Levites to sing praise unto the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer or the prophet. And they sang praises with gladness, and they bowed their heads and worshiped. Psalm 73 is the first of 10 psalms that we find that Asaph writes. 1 Chronicles 16, 7 says that on that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. A little history there as we begin to look at this Psalm 73, a Psalm of Asaph. The first thing as I was studying this, the Lord began to deal with me. If you write notes, take this down or write it in the margin of your Bible. The Lord began to deal with me, Asaph proclaims something here. To proclaim means to make it public. To proclaim means that Asaph wants to make an announcement. He wants everyone to hear. He wants everyone to know that truly God is good. 
If you don't hear anything else I preach this morning, please hear this. Truly, God is good. Amen? God is good. And I notice here what he says. He said, truly, God is good. And he says to Israel, it takes someone that has your head in the sand or someone who is blind not to realize that truly God is good to Israel. Amen? But it don't stop there. There's a word here in the middle of this verse that says even. Truly God is good to Israel, and then it says even. When you begin to study that word even there, it means to be equal to. It means in the same place. It means to be equal in state. Truly, God is good to Israel, would say amen, even, and to be equal to that, God's same goodness is even equal to such as are of a clean heart. Who are those with a clean heart? You and I will not get a clean heart by keeping rituals or ceremonies. You and I can never get a clean heart by religion, amen? The only way that you and I could ever have a clean heart is through and by the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who paid our sin debt on Calvary's cross. Amen? Amen. Salvation, born again, delivered, trusting Christ for the redemption of your sins. So I'll ask you again, if God's been good to you this morning, say amen. amen. Truly, God is good. Amen. Truly, that is a fact. Truly, God is good. But then verse number two, it changes real fast. Truly God is good, Asaph says, but he said, now I have a problem. We see he has a problem. He says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well not slipped. Everyone in this service today that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, you would all testify Truly, God is good. The Lord's been good to me. The Lord's blessed me. The Lord's helped me. I was talking with Brother Dale Cable this morning, uh, one of our missionaries to Cuba, as we were standing here in the foyer, right here in the front, he was asking about my wife who's had cancer. He was telling me about his wife. And I was telling him about my mom. And I said, through all of that, I mean, God has been good. Amen? Amen. Truly, God has been good to us. But... But as for me, when I begin to study the problem of Asaph here down through the rest of this chapter, in other words, this is what he's saying. He said, God is good. I can't deny that. But he says, I'm in a bad place. He says, my state of mind and my faith has begun to waver some. He's saying here that my confidence in the Lord has changed. That's what he says here. He says, my feet were almost gone. He says, my steps had well nigh slipped. In other words, this is what he's saying. Truly, God is good. But I'm going to tell you something. But in my life right now, I don't feel like there's anything left. I just don't feel like there's anything left. I, I feel like there's no solid ground under my feet. I, I feel like I'm walking in slippery places, and I, and I feel like I'm walking in water like, like quicksand. I feel like I'm slipping. There's nothing solid that I have to stand on. It's an interesting psalm, the psalm of Asaph. God is good, but. God is blessed, but. I'm in a bad place. I'm in a real bad place. 
Let's look at some of the things here in Psalm 73 that Asaph is beginning to look at. Notice with me, if you will, in verse number 3. Look at your Bible, please. For I was envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Asaph had a problem, and then he began to notice how the ungodly people was prospering. He began to look in verse number 3. He was jealous of those that was out in the world. He, he began to look out, and he began to see people that was not walking with the Lord. He, he looked out into the world, and he began to say, there's a lot of people out here that, that don't love the Lord, and they're, and they're blessed, it seems as if. It seems that everything is going so well in their lives. And he says in verse number 3, he was jealous of their prosperity. Notice in verse number 4, for their narrow bands and their death, but their strength is firm. He said, it seems that as these that are in the world, as they are dying, they seem pleasant. They, they, they don't seem bothered by it. It's like as if, as if there's no fear in their hearts, there's no fear in their lives. I mean, the Lord has been good to me, but right now in my life, I feel like I'm struggling so bad because when I look around at other people who does not know the Lord, I'm looking at other people and it seems that they're prospering everywhere that they go. In the end of their days, they seem so, so pleasant. Look at verse number five. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. He said, he said, man, there's nothing going on in their lives. There's nothing hard. It don't even seem like there's any sickness. It don't even seem like there's any troubles that are going on in, in these people's lives. And here I am. I mean, I'll say, listen to me, church. I'll tell you, the Lord has been good to me, but right now in my life, I feel like everything is caved in. Right now in my life, I feel like I have nothing solid to stand on. That's where Asaph is in Psalm 73. And when you get in that place, it's a, it's a natural thing. It's a, it's a normal thing to begin to look around at everyone else and say, why is it? Have you ever said this, child of God? Why is it everyone seems to have a smile on their face but me? Even the people that's not living right, they even seem so blessed. And I'm hurting so bad. And then we see in verse number 6, we see their pride. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covered them as a garment. He, he said it's, it's, like, it's like they have so much pride in their lives. It would be as one having an ornament or a chain around his neck with a big old sign hanging from it that says, I'm full of pride. I have pride in my life. Everything is going so well. And, and they just walk around so boastful with their, with their head up and a smile on their face. And they have joy in their lives. And here I am. They're wicked and they're ungodly and they're not, they're not, they're not going to heaven. But yet they act like everything is great. And truly, God is good. I can't say that God is not good. But my feet is in a slippery spot. I feel like I'm about gone. I feel like, I feel like I'm at the end. Verse number 7. Here's their prosperous again. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it other than... They seem to be doing so well. 
Verse number 8 and 9 speaks of their high places that they are speaking from. They're corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak lawfully. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. It's as if not only are they, are they bragging on their ungodliness, but they're even speaking against heaven. And it's as if they have a platform, a high place, a lofty place, a prideful place in their lives. And, they, and they're in these high places and they're speaking against the good things of God. But yet they seem as everything is going good in me and my life. God has been good to me. But I feel like I'm at the end. And when I'm at the end, I'm looking and every, everyone else seems so blessed. And the next thing the Lord dealt with me about is verses 10 through 16. We see Asaph is perplexed. He's, he's puzzled. He's, he's confused. He's distracted. Notice in verse number 16, it says, When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. He's looking around and it's, and it's causing him grief and it's causing him pain. It's causing a lot of confusion in his life. Let's read verses 10 through 16. Therefore, his people return hither, speaking of God's people. And waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Look at verse 13. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. Verse 14 is powerful. For all the day long have I been plagued. And he said, I've been chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was, it was too painful for me. This psalm of Asaph, he's, he's looked out into the world. He's, he's seen the prosperity of the wicked. He's seen how his life, though God, I mean, have you ever, have, I'm asking you, have you ever been there? Have you ever been able to say in your heart, I mean, God has been good to me, but. I mean, I can't say God's not been good, but right now in my life, it's like the whole world's caving in. It's like, it's like when the world's caving in, now I can't understand what's going on. And he says right here, waters of fullness are wrung out of them. It's, it means to dry up and it means to suck out. It's, it's, it's as if you took a towel and soaked it in water and one got one end and one got the other end. You begin to wring the water out of the towel. At one time, I'm so full, I'm so refreshed, I'm so satisfied. But right now in my life, but right now in my life, God has been good. But right now, I'm dry, I'm empty, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. And if I drink the cup... It's a picture of Christ here. If I drink the cup, even the cup that I drink is a bitter cup or a poisonous cup. And then when I do drink it, it's empty and it's all gone. I'm telling you, what I'm trying to tell you this morning is I can say God is good, but I'm empty and I'm dry and I'm thirsty. Amen. And everywhere I look, everybody's doing good but me. And I'm trying to figure all this out. It's the Psalm 73, the Psalm of Asaph. I'm in a dry place. Verse 12, the prosper of the ungodly. 
Verse 13 and 14, my, it, it, these plagues, it's all in vain. Verse 15 and 16, he says it's painful. But notice what he says here. When I begin to look at this, he says, what can I say in verse 15? If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. In other words, what Asaph is saying is, can I really share? Can I really tell you people how I'm feeling right now? Can I really open up my heart and tell you how bad I'm hurting? Can I really tell you that, I mean, listen, if, if, if you say God is good, I'll say amen. But if I really was to share with you how I'm feeling in my heart today, it would not only affect you, but it would affect the generation after you, and it would even affect your children. That's what he's saying there. He is saying, I, I can't. I can't sit down at the supper table with my children and say, say, kids, God's been good to you, Daddy, but, but I'm done. God's been good to Mom and Dad, but I'm throwing in the towel. God's been good to us, but I'm, I'm dry and I'm thirsty and it's, it's over. I stood in that Sunday school hall this morning and my grandbabies come running up. I cannot imagine. He says, I can't speak this. If I speak this, them children are going to be upset. I cannot imagine looking at my grandbabies and saying, babies, pap's done. It's over. Now, I'm going to testify God is good, but in my life right now, I'm at the end. I'm, I'm finished. I'm dry. I'm thirsty. Everywhere I look, everybody's doing good but me. He said, that's why I can't speak it, because if I do, it will affect kids. It will affect those children. He says, i got to hold all of this in. I never understood Psalm 73. I've read it, and I've read it, and I've read it, and I've read it, and I've read it. And then all of a sudden, the Lord deals with me. I'm in my prayer closet praying, and the Lord dealt with me. Go to Psalm 73 and preach it. It will help people at Pleasant Hill. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, I don't know how to preach it. And then it was just like, here it is. Here, look at it. Understand it. Apply it to your heart. He's questioning the Lord. He can't figure out what's going on. I can't offend this next generation. But then notice in 17 through 22 how Asaph is pricked in his heart. Until, boy, this verse right here, you ought to highlight it in your Bibles. You ought to highlight it. You ought to mark it. You ought to put arrows and stars around it. He said, it was too painful for me. This is where I was at. He said, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. He was pricked in his heart. We'll see that here in a minute. Look at it with me. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou caused them down in destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they are truly consumed with terror. As a dream when one awaketh, 
So, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. All of a sudden, Asaph, when he comes to the house of God, or when he comes to the holy place of God, when he finds himself in the sanctuary of the Lord, then all of a sudden everything begins to get clear in his mind. All of a sudden he begins to see things for truly the way they are. That pricked in his heart means to point and to teach. He was down, but now he's in the sanctuary. He's in the chapel, the holy place, the place of public worship. And he said, all I could see when I was struggling was how everyone else was doing good, and I was so jealous of them. He said, but now that I've come to the house of God, now that I'm in the holy place with the Lord, he said, instead of being jealous of them, he said, now I'm broken for them. Did you hear that? He said, now I'm broken for them. He said, now it grieves me in my soul. Now I understand what's going on. And let me say to you and I this morning, a lot of times we get so caught up in the things of the world and everything that's going on around us in this world. And a lot of times as Christians, you will say, it just seems like I'm struggling. I get under conviction. I get chastised for things. And other people out in the world, they can do whatever they want to do. I feel like I'll try to do this and the Lord will tell me no. I'll try to go there and the Lord will convict me over it. I'll try to say that and I can't. I'll try to go there and I can't. I'll try to be involved in that and I can't. But everyone else seems like they're okay with it. And I'm trying to figure out what in the world is going on in me, Lord. I cannot figure all of this out. And the Lord told him when he went to the sanctuary, he said, instead of looking at them and being envious, you need to look at them and realize that destruction is coming quickly in their lives. He said, I learned that when I went into the holy place. I learned that when I went into the sanctuary. See, this is not our home, child of God. You and I are just pilgrims passing through this place, amen? And you look and you see the house and you see the land and you see the blessings and you think to yourself, I don't have that. I've never had that. I've worked hard and I've never been able to attain some of the things that the wicked obtained. But instead of looking at them in jealousy, we need to look and pray for them and realize that destruction is coming swiftly. Don't be jealous. But we need to be broken. Do you hear that? We need to be broken over the wickedness in the world. Not jealous over the wickedness in the world, but broken over the wickedness in the world. I remember me and Miss Watkins, we we got married. We bought us a house. (laughs) And sometimes we'll get in the car and we'll ride over there and we'll look and we'll just say, wow. I remember we would stand downstairs in the winter months with light that kerosene heater. And boy, it'd boil out that black smoke. Anyone ever been there? Amen. And I'd look at her. She'd look at me. And we'd stand there around that kerosene heater. And I'd say, let's get as warm as we can. And then we're going to run as fast as we can. We're going to go jump to bed. You ever been there? 
Man, we'd stand there and we'd, we'd get as hot as we could. And we'd, we'd get this side hot. We'd get that side hot. We'd be like, are you ready? Man, we'd take off. That house had spiral stairs in it. We'd go up them spiral stairs. Amen. And we'd run in there, jump in the bed and pull them covers up and we'd lay there and the wind would blow and the windows would be down and the curtains in the house would blow. And the inside of the windows would freeze. And around the inside of the windows begin to turn black where they'd be wet. And me and her would lay in there and we'd be like, whoa, we're blessed. I hadn't been saved long. I was driving a little old Subaru. Ain't nothing wrong with a Subaru, but there's something wrong with the one I had. And that little Subaru had a sunroof in it. You remember them old sunroofs that didn't come factory? They cut them and put them in there? Some of you young people don't know what you're missing. And it had red. I'm not making this up. It had red furry seat covers because the seats in that thing was rotten and it smelled like a pair of wet socks every time you got in it. God's been good to me, amen. And it would rain and when it would rain, that driver's seat, I promise you, would be puddled up that high with water. And I knew I'd get two or three towels and I'd leave out them mornings and I'd put them towels in that seat and I'd sit down and I'd be like, oh, please don't. And it, I'd feel it. <laughs> Pants wet, drawers wet. I mean, ain't no other way to say it, amen? And I would sit there and I'd just be soaked and I'd go to work and I'd work 12 hours. And I'd get back in that car and that seat would still be wet. And I'd drive home, and one day I was driving home, and I was hot rodding that Subaru. And I held it to the floor in first, and I jerked it back in second. And when I did, something popped, and the gear shifter went down in the rubber boot. And Brother Grayson, as I'm driving it, I'm looking, and I could barely see the shifter knob down in that boot. And I reached down in there, and I pulled it up, and I had to hold it, drive it home in second gear, and I was like... What's going on with me? Why am I dealing with all of this? Wasn't many days after that, I, I, t- I told my wife, I said, uh, I ain't got no cash in my, in my wallet. I said, you have any money, honey? She said, no. I said, well, I'm out of gas. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to work in the morning. She said, I have no cash. I said, well, I have no cash. She said, call your daddy. I said, "Uh uh-uh. I said, will you call your daddy? She said, "Mm mm-mm. I'm a new Christian. And I could stand up right then in that living room and I could say, Truly, God's been good to me. And I look around, there's a lot of people. They're not living right. They're not even trying. And Lord, here I am. I mean, I know I'm not perfect, but Lord, I'm at least trying. 
I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to be faithful to the house of God. God, you've been good to me, but everywhere I look, man, it's like bad. I got a junk car. Don't have no money. We got a house, and God, you've been good to us, but but them guys I work with, you hear what I'm telling you? Man, that's driving some nice cars to work. Big trucks, hot rods. They go to the lake, go fishing in their boats. We ain't got five dollars. God's been good to us. Amen. Yes, sir. But there ain't nothing going right. I'm not gonna stand up in church and say God's been good to me, but I'm really doubting Him right now. Because I don't want to mess up no kids, you know. Then OASAP says, but when I went into the sanctuary of God, when I went into the house of the Lord, you know what? Instead of being jealous over them folks, I need to be broken over them. Because it won't be long, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you, we're closer now than we ever have been. God's truly been good to me. But it ain't going to be long. I'm going to leave out of this place. Amen. You might, you might ride by old Gilbert Road and say, preacher, don't have much. But I'm going to tell you what, you're looking at the wrong house. Because God's been good to me. And this right here is not my home. I'm thankful God has blessed us. I've got a truck that'll run. She's got a car that'll run. I've got some toys in the garage now. And God's been good to me. But there has been some times in my life that I've looked around and everyone seemed like they was doing good but me. You ever been there? Amen. Here he is. He's pricked in his heart. But then in verses 23 through 28, he sees the Lord's promise. Let's read them together. If you have your Bible open to Psalm 73, say amen. amen. Look at verse number 23. So foolish was I. He said, I was not only foolish, he says, I was ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Look what he says. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Do you hear that? Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. And afterward, receive me to glory. (laughs) Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good to me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy works. Oh. I come this morning into the house of God, into the sanctuary, into the public place of worship to let you know, child of God, the Lord's been good to us. 
And he's blessed us in so many ways, in so many areas of our life. I come to remind you, he'll guide you and he'll lead you. And you're not holding on to him, he's holding on to you. He'll hold you on the right hand and he'll lead us and he'll guide us. And the good news is, is one day he'll take us to glory. (laughs) Oh, what do I have besides him? And when I get there, what else can I have but him? Hallelujah. What else can I have but him? Because God has been good to us. And when I read these verses, and I think about the things in my life, and as you think about the things in yours, I would truly have to be able to testify this morning Listen real close. Don't miss this. When that cold air was blowing in them windows, that was some of the best times of my marriage. When that seat was wet and my britches was wet on the way to work, some of the best times of my life. And when that shifter broke and went down into that rubber boot, oh, God sure did answer some prayers for us. And when we didn't have $5 to our name, and we went to the post office box and opened it up, and there's a check in there for $500 where we overpaid the doctor, all I can say is, is the Lord's been good to us. Sometimes we need to just cut the air off and cut the heat off. Get that old kerosene heater back out and lock that thing up and stink the whole house up. Scrooge up to that thing real tight. Look at your wife that God's blessed you with and say, Honey, let's run as fast as we can and jump in them sheets and lay there and talk about all the good things of God. Because the Lord truly... Lord, truly, has been good to us. Amen. Yes, sir. Wow. The Lord's truly been good to us. Me and my wife celebrated 34 year of, years of marriage this week. September the 7th, we went out to eat. We sit in a booth together. And I know this might shock you, but we both sit on the same side. We scrooged up one to another. And we sit there and we eat us a good supper together. And on the way home, I said, honey, I want to ask you something. You got any regrets? I said, you have any regrets? She looked over at me and she said, no. Do you? And I said, yeah. She said, you have a regret? I said, I do. She said, what do you regret? I said, I regret how many days that me and you've been together and I hadn't been happy. I'd just been tore up over stuff that really didn't matter. I regret how many times I've spent with my children and we're just sitting there and I was just quiet and mad over nothing. 
I regret that. I regret how many times I let the sorry devil enemy rob me of the peace of God. I regret that. I didn't buy her a card, I wrote her a card. And I said, honey, we are now entering another chapter of our life. And I pray, and I want you to pray for us, that this next chapter of our life will be the best chapter. That we can enjoy the good things of God and the blessings of God. We can sit on that front porch and wait on them grandbabies to show up. We can get us a cup of coffee in the morning. And I'm so old now, I get a cup of coffee at night. You say, we ain't too old yet or you won't be drinking coffee at night. I'm telling you, God's been good to me. I went downstairs the other day and cut on the basement lights. Got out some old albums that I had from years ago. You say, what was it? Ain't none of your business. I put an album on the radio and turned it as loud as it'd go. Got me some wax and waxed on an old car in my basement. Got me a lawn chair out and sitting down there. Just looked around and I said, God, you've been good to me. Went upstairs. Wife had biscuits and gravy fixed. She said, how many you want? I said, I'll start out with two, but don't put nothing away. And I sit there and eat biscuits and gravy till I couldn't eat another bite. And then went over to the pan and picked up another biscuit and stuck it down in the pot of gravy and stood there and ate it out of the pot. What I'm trying to tell you is, it's truly, truly, God's been good to me. 